Hello and welcome to episode 237 of The Dive Down. They said we wouldn't get there, but we did. It's a Magic the Gathering podcast focused on the latest decks, trends, and strategies for the casual spike. My name is Shane here in Denver, Colorado. And with me on the line from Massachusetts, it's the one and only Doomwake, a.k.a. Tevin O'Donnell. Could we call it a Doom Beeps? Doom Beeps. Doom Beeps. Hello, Doom Beeps. It's me. What's up? Hi, everybody. How are you? I mean, I, I know you have some some sweet, sweet news from from last weekend that we'll talk about, but how's everything else? Uh, it's going good. Doing a lot of streaming. Still, uh, I haven't taken a day off in like nine days. I was telling Dave earlier, <laughs> so uh, maybe it's time for a day off, but I'm, I'm good. It's uh, I love it. I'm a trader for the Hold world. On, who's Dave? Doom Beeps. You deserve it. Doom Beeps is my favorite uh, 2005 uh, hip-hop album, Doom Beeps. Yeah, it's my, it's my favorite track off of mm, Food. It's, yes. <laughs> it's right after the one with Aqua Teen Hunger Force on it, if I remember right. The Doom Beeps. Uh, that's, that's the godfather, Dave Harbucker, from Chicago. Uh, from Chicago, lately from the continent, returned. Oh, yeah, welcome your, back. Your boy is back. Dave, you had a couple weeks off. I did. I hope you enjoyed some time uh Overseas. I enjoyed time overseas. I had a lot of kartoffelin and a schnitzel Ooh. and uh, tart flambe. Either of you ever had a tart flambe? <laughs> Do you, this is a thing that people in America so. don't know much about. What is a tart flambe? Okay. In this area of Europe that I was in, so I was in the Rhine River Valley. So I was in oh, yeah. southwestern Germany, I believe, southwestern, northeastern France, and Switzerland. And there's a regional delicacy there that uh, in Germany, they call it the Flammkuchen. And in yeah. France, they call it the Tarte Flambe. And here's what it is. It is like pizza crust, uh, creme fraiche. Okay. Okay. Bacon. It's not getting any better. Bacon. Oh, I'm oh. definitely with you now. Onions. Oh, yeah. And cho- caramelized or raw? Uh, it depends on which where you get it from. But sometimes okay. they're caramelized, sometimes they're raw. And then um, on top of that generally some kind of herbs like chives or something like that it's basically a bacon pizza with uh creme fraiche instead of uh pizza sauce and it is delicious and i've never had it and i've been to this area of the world a couple of times and uh but i've never oh, found a good one in america before but apparently every single place there tart flam every sign every restaurant is like tart flambe tart huh. flambe tart flambe so if you want to enjoy uh regional delicacies well, from there just put bacon on your pizza we'll have to make one if i ever see you again yeah and you're at, it's by my pizza oven yeah absolutely when you, when you said when you said flambe i thought you meant they were going to light it on fire and bring it to your table but i know it sounds a lot more surprise like amazing than it like presentation wise than it is but uh yeah it's just it's just pizza with bacon and sour cream which is good yeah. which is good well we are your pizza with bacon and sour cream all right, all right. Think, wait, 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 wait. So if we're gonna do yeah. this, so creme fraiche, onions, and yeah. bacon. Yeah, I'm the onion. Yeah, I was gonna say, uh, <laughs> tag yourself. Can I be the bacon? <laughs> You're the bacon. Sure, you can be the bacon if you want. I guess that means that I'm sour cream. Yeah, I think that's fair. Okay. Uh, we have an episode this week, but before we get into the episode, let's briefly talk about Heavy Play, a newer card gaming accessory brand that will improve your gameplay and your game day. They have play mats, they have deck boxes, they have dice boxes, they have card sleeves, they have card inner sleeves, and the things that they have are enhanced ergonomics, enhanced mobility, enhanced protection. The, the big selling point, y'all, is the equipment system. 
And these are some big old magnets that attach your, your dice to your deck box. They attach all of that to your play mat. And you carry that all around in a single hand or slide it into your bag. And these are likely coming soon or at your LGS. Or you can go to heavyplay.com and use code THEDIVEDOWN2023 for 10% off your first order there. But this week's show, David, we have, it's somehow spoiler season again. How? It's, you know, what's funny is it does feel like March of the Machine was a minute ago, but because we focus on Lord of the Rings, you know, just the other week, last week, we talked about all the upcoming sets and it's just like, you know, it almost felt like an early spoiler episode, but yeah, it's the wilds of Eldraine. I feel like we were just in Eldraine, which was four years ago. We were not just there. It was pre-COVID. I will say <laughs> four years ago. It was hard pre- to believe. Yeah, I, hard to believe. Yeah, I, I can't imagine. I remember those lonelier early days of me. The last deck that I uh, I sleeved up. I don't know if I, you guys remember <laughs> the last deck that I had sleeved before this all uh, had Okos. Yeah, had Okos and had uh, Once Upon a Time in it. Had Once Upon a mm. Time because I was playing a four color Grixis four color Shadow. What is that? Not an okay, yeah. okay uh, set there. Yeah, I try so, to uh, block that part of my memory out, so I forgot a hundred percent when it actually came out. Create yeah. a little mind palace that doesn't include Throne of Eldraine. So we'll talk about you know what we know from the set so far, what's interesting. Just have a little hangout session where we also talk about the potential for cards. I promise to stay positive because I'll give you a little spoiler. There's cards I like in this set. I just don't know where, what, I, why I like them. They're just, they're just, you know, I just like them. I like, you know, Marge and the Potato. I just think they're neat. <laughs> so we're gonna talk a little bit also about what uh, Doomwake's been up to since the last time we spoke, because he's got some hot, hot news off the press. I guess of last weekend. First, some quick housekeeping. We have two new patrons in E. Bird and Dan W. Thanks, y'all, for becoming citizens of the Dive Down Nation. I do and think that we maybe should name E. Bird should be named Egg. B. If we were going <laughs> to okay. keep egg with our naming convention, or Egg B. <laughs> to keep with our naming convention, I'm just going to say this person is Egg Bird. I don't know who Egg Bird is. Oh, yeah. E. Bird. E. Bird. There you go. Yeah. And uh, we have an increased tier, uh, Stefan or Stefan. I went up a tier. We appreciate it, Stefan. No new reviews this week, but if you want to head on over to your, you know, podcast, I think actually you can only really review us on like Apple podcasts. You can throw us some stars on Spotify. If you use that Patreon, if you want to become like Egbert or Dan or Stefan, you can help us out as little as a buck a week gets you access to the definitively discreet dive down discord going up from there gets you various types of swag, various types of support for us. We appreciate all that. Go to patreoncom slash the dive down. We also have a store. If you want to buy some stuff, the dive slash store. I encourage you to check it out. It's getting to be the chilly autumn and winter time. You can grab a hoodie. You can grab a hoodie. You can grab a cap of some kind. You can grab a beanie. Yeah, get something for yourself. Get something for a loved one. Mana Traders, you know, you get 10% off your first two months of the Mana Traders card rental service for Magic Online. Code the Dive Down 2023 gets you that 10% off. We'll talk more about Barrister and Man later. Of course, you get 15% off your first order at Barrister and Man with code the Dive Down 23. And then our friends at NRG, we talked about the NRG Open Series 10K qualifier. You get 8% off your order there just by using code DIVE8. All that out of the way. 
Wow. Housekeeping done. I think this is record time. Eight minutes, 20 seconds. Well, no Stan's nonsense. not here. Ah. Mm-hmm. No nonsense. We talked here. about bacon yeah. for a little bit. You're right. That's, we did talk about that's bacon. serious stuff. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> talking about bacon. True. Very true. Dave, you met, you mentioned Kartoffeln. That my favorite thing when I was in Germany a good number of years ago now was that I could still read menus. Mm-hmm. Like I still knew what like a bunch of food was from like high school German. Do you know what I mean? I was like, oh, like I know what a Kartoffeln is. Like oh, I know I know what you know X, Y, and Z are, and I can like actually order off this menu. That felt kind of fun. Yeah, I was certainly in the same space. Although truthfully, everybody, at least where we were going speaks English and was very gracious about it. So Yeah, you don't I mean you can you can feel fancy a little bit, but you don't really well, have to and be. it just like walking into a room and being like, you know, Guten Tag, you know, blah blah blah. They're yeah. they before the second syllable Bitte leaves schön. my mouth, those so people like, hey. are like, You're American. <laughs> and I'm oh, like, they know. Okay, what's, okay. Yeah. yeah, they know they know immediately. <laughs> what's up, partner? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they <Howdy>. so- <laughs> I've only been to Europe twice and there was one time where I went to Brussels and there was a little coffee shop and I went to and I was like, can I have a large coffee? And she, the, the lady at the counter just looked at me with like just this death stare. Like what, you know, what are you talking about? Yeah. You said it in English? Yeah. Just like, she, I just want, I just want a large coffee and she didn't, she yeah. had no well, idea what yeah, I was talking about. She was like, about. we don't, we don't make drip coffee here. Yeah. Friend. Well, they have like those like little a, cappuccino a things, you know? Yeah. Americanos. Right. Yeah. 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 Can I tell you about a, a th- I'm going to get, I'm going to give you a really short story here. So I, I, the one time I went on a cycling trip, an ill-advised cycling trip, because I'm not the <laughs> fittest person in the world, where we cycled from town to town in a similar region to where I was describing earlier. And I went up a big hill one day, one of a big hill. It was probably three hours of riding up the side of this hill. And I got to like oh a gosh. ski resort that this is during the summer ski resort, no snow. There were still people there. And I go into the ski lodge and I'm like, um, I was like, bonjour. And I was like, um, una chocolate show, please, or a chevre show, please. And the lady just looked at me and I realized later that I had meant to ask for hot chocolate and I'd actually asked for hot goat cheese. <laughs> and then chevre. I just, I just threw myself off the side of the mountain because I'm a ghost now of shame. My skeleton has left my body. Yeah. Can never go Her back response there. Was, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> silly Americans. Yeah. All right. All right. Let's talk about one silly American on the show. That's Devin, yes. who did an awesome thing. I did. Devin. So, not la- well, yeah, not yesterday, but the week before yesterday was the last, not necessarily the last RCQ of the season, but it was the one within reasonable driving distance, unless I wanted to travel three hours to New York. So, we'll call it the last one. And uh, I was able to take it down. Played Racto Sacrifice. Yes. Uh, had nine. <laughs> this is the collapse. Thank you. Love to see it. Played uh, nine total RCQs, made the finals, well, now four times. So I made the finals in four of them. I lost the oh first three finals, which was uh, pretty brutal. But yeah, I'm really happy to be able to take it down. I'm not qualified for Atlanta, so I uh, got a lot of testing to do. But thankfully, Atlanta's not till December, so we, yeah, <laughs> we got a lot really of time. Late. There's a lot of stuff that could happen to Pioneer between oh, now yeah. and December, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, how many sets? Do we have We have two sets, or is the, is the next set in time for that? I think think so i think there's I feel like it likely is yeah i think there's yeah. wilds and then whatever the one after that is i, I believe so isn't that the Ixalan lost caverns of Ixalan? is that the next one i think so yeah we I lost think. these no, caverns awesome. y'all <laughs> so okay so rack sack yep what what is going on in the pioneer meta right now did 
did rack mid like finally fall off its perch it did. due to like the prevalence of rack sack yeah well that's part of it because For i a variety of reasons i do think that rakdos sacrifice is pretty heavily favored in the like sacrifice like the rakdos heads up sacrifice versus mid range so yeah. looking at goldfish right now if you look at metagame oh God, representation azoria spirits yeah azoria spirits second sack third at 8.7 and then mid fourth at 7.7 so yeah, a lot of people have kind of picked up on the sacrifice bandwagon. And the other thing is, I think the deck has a slightly better matchup against green. It's kind of Rakdos midrange is traditionally maybe not the best matchup against green because it like it doesn't have as much of a clock and it's really hard to like one for one removal spell the old growth trolls and cavalier of thorns. But sacrifice has uh, like claim the firstborn as a clean way to one for one old growth troll, which Rakdos Mid doesn't really have. So it gives mm. you you have yeah, a bit yeah. of a leg up in that matchup. You're slightly weaker to Karn because Karn does shut off you know your bloods yes. and witches ovens and such. But that seems bad. Yeah, but thankfully I didn't play against any green in this tournament, which was a very small tournament to be fair. Not necessarily you know more representative of the meta game, but it was uh, it was it was pretty fun. I am looking at your results here, and I would love to know. You played against <laughs> Goblin, Red Black Goblins three times? I did. It's what almost is, like, it, it's almost as if they just gifted me the tournament win. What is, sounds great. What is even in the Red Black Goblins deck? I don't know if I've ever seen this. So is it's, it Goblins? Yes. No, it is Goblins. So, I mean, okay. essentially, like, your Goblin course, you have Skirk Prospector, Fanatical Firebrand is one drops, and then you have Conspicuous Snoop, Runveld Horde Master, and Battlecry Goblin is two drops. Okay. And then the three drops are Goblin Chain Whirler, and then sometimes they play the uh, the other Lord. I think it's called Hobgoblin, whatever. It's like a three mana two three Lord, or I, I don't know the whole name of it's it. It's from AFR, right? It's from yeah. the, the Dungeons and Dragons set. Yeah. Yep. And then the shtick is what they do is they play Call the Death Dweller. So they can not only like, so you can go like turn one, Skirk Prospector, turn two, Sack Prospector, Chain Whirler, but you can also like play a Chain Whirler and then you can sacrifice it to Prospector, rebuy it with the Call of the Death Dweller. And then, so for Call of the Death Dweller, basically it says it's a three mana sorcery that you can return two creatures or creatures totaling three mana value from your graveyard to the battlefield. And then if you choose two things, one gets Death Touch, one gets Menace, right? So right. the idea is you bring back the Chain Whirler, give it death touch and menace and then the, 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 the chain ruler now has death touch before that deals damage to all of your opponent's creatures mm, nice wow yeah wow so that's okay. the combo hmm all right so what was your day like it looks like it wasn't that bad yeah so 19 players total in the event uh round oh one my gosh yeah. what a dream i know that's like that's like a that's like a night uh game night you yeah know what i mean <laughs> basically Shane. it's like Shane. bless my venom come on you you and i could be in an rc with rcq with five players and we would not make the finals you know what i'm saying so like i'm not not, not, this is not i'm not diminishing this this is like this is what you want to have happen yeah you know david made the finals five separate times true let's let's take the easy wins sometimes well to give you some perspective i played an rcq the day before this one and there were 60 players so oh boy oh my gosh wow but uh round one played against goblins two one I'm trying to think of like the, the games weren't super memorable as far as the Swiss is concerned. So then round two, uh, Soul Flare 2-0 had four Leylands on my sideboard. It's pretty easy. Uh, round three, Absan Greasefang 2-0. Same thing. Had Leylands on my sideboard. Pretty easy. Only five rounds Swiss. So I was able to draw the next two rounds to lock. I think I locked up the two seed Perfect. even, you know, with the draws. And then the quarterfinals was by far the most memorable match of the tournament. So I played against 
probably the probably like the one of the best players in the room and he was playing boats and it was like a really really interesting back and forth had a ton of fun in the match uh there was a specific spot in that match where i there was like a uh, it was game one and i was like i was so far behind the entire time because he had this chariot going and like a you know seven cats or whatever and i drew a croxa and i had six mana so i was go like croxa flash it back put this into play and then the next turn i was still not dead and there was a there was a sequence where and i, I didn't see this until after the fact but if i just sacrifice the croxa to my witch's oven because i had six mana i can go end of because you get two food if you sacrifice uh toughness for greater to the oven so i can go sack the croxa end of turn have the two mana left over to sack one food untap escape the croxa and still have two mana left over to sack another food but i didn't see that line so i ended up just like not sacking the croxa and i, I think i had like died exactly where if i had sacked that extra food i would have survived one more turn to get the other uh, the croxa attack uh so i lost that game thankfully won the next two a really really fun match back and forth and then both the semifinals and the finals were both goblins and you can imagine when you're playing a deck with mayhem devil and your opponent's playing a deck with skirk prospector and runveld horde master yeah you know you're stubbing your hands again yeah <laughs> so yeah that was that was my whole tournament uh i think there the three there was three goblins players i played against two of them because one was a, a rematch and i think they were all played they were like you know talked together i think they're all playing the same exact 75 but yeah it was awesome it was uh basically as free as you could go with playing against three goblins three times and yeah Sweet. i'm excited that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, you know, we went to Atlanta last year and we saw you down there. We met so. in Atlanta last year, Devin. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Maybe maybe we will have a chance to get down there again because, I mean, I, I like the fighting games. I like DreamHack in general. So maybe we'll have a good reason to go now. Maybe Dave and I could play some more sealed. <laughs> yeah. Just have- I, I, oh, boy. Your deck was so good. <laughs> it still stings. <laughs> oh, brutal. Brutal. No, it's great. I mean, congratulations. It's uh, I know that a you know a bunch of folks in your Discord and on your stream are really hyped for you to t- uh, to take that down, and it's great to get down to the the RC again for sure. Yeah, DreamHacks are also so much fun. You know, I've been to I think I've been to three or four now, and oh nice. This is only going to be the second one that I'm actually qualified for. The other two I went to play LCQs, and yeah, just street the just the the entire event is so much fun. There's so much to do. The free monsters the you know the watch parties it's just it's so great yeah i don't think i took advantage of free monsters enough i think i was still trying to not do caffeine and so i didn't have any monsters which was questionable i thought it had not caffeine i thought it had a a, 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 a taurine uh, an herbal equivalent of caffeine is that was that green off the tea, list too? aka caffeine yeah yeah i don't know well that's great but y'all do you want to talk about another set release the 97th Magic expansion. The 97th Magic set. We're doing a countdown now to the 100th Magic set. That's going to be funny. Are these like standard expansions? Are they including like Horizons? Who knows? Who knows? That's a lot. But 97 plus or minus 25 supplemental products. Yeah, exactly. So... The realms of Eldraine. Realms of Eldraine? So, no, no. It's the darker wilds wilds of Eldraine because we are leaving the realm. We're leaving the realm of Eldraine, going into the darker wilds. This is not your daddy's Eldraine. That's that's what I've heard. Yeah, it's it's neither that nor your mom's or any kind of parents you have because... It's a twisted Eldraine. It's it's drastically different, honestly, um, so far. I mean, yeah, it's drastically right? different in the fact that all the adventures are freaking terrible. 
Well, I think there's like maybe a I'm couple of okay ones. I'm sure there'll be good ones. Yeah, also, I mean, there has to be some good ones. Drastically different in the hopes that we don't have five or ten banned cards from it. How many cards yeah. was it? I do you remember how many cards? I mean, it was there like in, in, mo- in modern, it's two, right? I mean, yeah. it's Oko and Once Upon a Time, which are two cards that I loved. Not well, not Oko. Who, nobody loved Oko, but I did love Once Upon a Time. But I mean, in standard, it seriously was like ten cards, wasn't it? Yeah, I think Shane right, and I are to, both going, going to Going to fandom.com. <laughs> okay. So we got, let's see, what year was that? Was that 2020 or 2019? 2019. 2019. So, uh, Oko, Once Upon a Time, Veil of Summer, and no, that's M20. I mean, I don't think it was that bad. Well, was as, it Into, Into the Wilds was banned in standard at one point in time? Fires of Invention was banned in standard. I'm going, I'm going to 2020. Let's go to right. 2020. We've got. I think either cat or oven. I don't know if both of them were. I, I believe it was were. cauldron familiar, but yes, one of those oh, was. Oh yeah, yeah. It took a while for all this stuff to happen in standard, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, like this is just a. It was a different world. It was a crazy broken set. You know, it's the 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 midst of fire design, if they want to sort of call that era the fire design era, and we have some early impressions. I mean, we're not going to talk about any of the leaked cards if it's if it's on scryfall we talk about it i think scryfall only posts like the official cards so if we're not talking about anything that you're really hyped about wait till next week i'm sure we will revisit some more cards but there's some stuff going on here some interesting new mechanics some interesting returning mechanics uh and some interesting returning land types yeah. I mean, there's, there, yeah, that was a big surprise. I do, you know, we're going to organize this a little bit by like, here's some stuff talking about the mechanical slash fav- flavor slash whatever themes of the set. And then just a pile of random cards. And we'll get through as much as we can. We've saved as much time as we can. I do think we should start with adventures, which means that everybody needs to move forward in their notes for a quick second. Let's do it. Because yeah, adventures, adventures is that like, was the big thing. It's like the signature mechanic of Eldraine, right? Yeah. Adventure. For sure. Yeah, you know. Oh yeah, or ba- broken planeswalkers. And wow, sure, Blo- broken three mana planeswalkers. So adventures are back. Adventures, everybody. You know, I don't think anybody was skeptical skeptical last time about how good these cards could be or were between Bonecrusher Giant, Brazen Borrower, a number of other cards that are kind of in the set. You know, efficient two for ones, two spells on a single card. It looks like this time they've taken a much more conservative line with these cards. So I'm not sure how many are extremely slam donkey, but I do think there's some interesting adventures and they're probably still the most interesting cards in the sets in a sense. Yeah. I think they really learned their lesson with bone crusher giant, given how that standard format was so warped around it. You just like, yeah. there was a period of time at standard where you could not play a two drop that died to bone crusher because they would just kill it and play a four, three. And that, that sequence was just so backbreaking. So, yeah, I mean, and it, I mean, it has it. It still does to this day, af- effectively define what people can and can't do in Pioneer in a lot of ways, right? Like everything has to pass like the stomp test in a lot of ways, and that that's a lot to say, right? About a, you know, a somewhat innocuous looking card, but I mean, it's it's so efficiently costed, it's statted well, it has a, you know a, a triggered ability when it gets removed off the board, so it's always doing something really well i'm looking at the list of adventure cards from the first set and i'm trying to find what else saw some play 
like maybe the shield breaker had some like sideboard play because it destroyed target artifact for like a sorcery. I mean the mill one. Wishes. Saw some play. Oh, oh Fae of Fae wishes. wishes. Yes, yeah. that's done a lot of stuff for sure. There's some kind of green troll that saw play, right? Am I right? There's bean, beanstalk giant saw play. I oh think, yeah, love, oh, we're, we're love struck beast. beast. Love beast. Love struck beast. Love beast is yeah. a huge one. Yeah, and yeah. it's it still is huge as a five five for three. Yeah. Merchant of the Veil was like briefly a thing. Dredge. And Dredge. Murderous Rider. How oh, lest yeah. we forget when that was a, a useful card. Like, it's like, yeah, hey, why don't we take Hero's Downfall and then put another put a creature on Hero's Downfall? What do you think you a free 2-3. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> why not? Yeah, no, the adventure Remember mechanic he- was, was crazy. Yeah. Remember when Hero's Downfall was like a $20 card, $15 oh, card? I, I do. Because I, I played con standard. Yep. All right, but I, I think when you look at the list of adventure cards that we've seen is so far, like we said, they have gotten more conservative with casting costs and the relationship between the effect that happens on the spell side versus the effect that happens on the uh, creature side. But there's a few cards on the list that I think are worth talking about, so I'm going to throw out the first one. And Devin, let us know when, when these are cards that are huge in your mind, but, but this list just got longer and longer as we pulled the notes together. So the <laughs> yeah. first one we were going to talk about, the first card of Wilds of Eldraine we're going to talk about for some reason is Decadent Dragon, which is two um, colorless yeah. red-red flying dragon. It has flying trample. It's the hallowed flample. It's got whenever Decadent Dragon attacks, create a creature token, so it's a gold uh, gold span dragon for some reason, and it's got a 4-4. It's, uh, it's a 4-4, four, four. and then it has an instant adventure side called Expensive Taste, which is two colorless black and says, exile the top two cards of target opponent's library face down. You may look at and play those cards for as long as they remain exiled. Yeah, it's a weird so, card. It casts Reckless Impulse on your opponent or is a flample for four, for four mana. What do we think about this card? I don't know. I, it seems pretty good. I think that... It, it is nice that it creates treasure tokens so that if you're not playing the same color that your opponent is, you can still just cast the cards yes. that you hit off of it. Yeah, I think I have seen people, at least I've heard other podcasts mention this card, and I think that they might have read it as you can use any mana to cast these spells. And, you know, just hitting two cards in the blind, and it says you may play those cards. So you can play lands, but you cannot cast spells. Uh, unless you have the, the mana needed. And like you said, treasure tokens are the way to get there. But uh, what is... Okay, this is a good card. It's a, I think it's a pretty darn good card. I think people might be slightly overrating expensive taste because it's a high variance card, but it gives you something to do at instant speed uh, that effectively is like a sort of a divination. Yeah, I just want to draw a big underline under target opponent's library face down. Okay, like it's like a Gonti effect from right. Uh, from right. So just keep in mind, it's not your library or their library. It's not your library. It's their library, which yeah. depending on your opponent can mean not great things. Like if you're, let's say you're playing Pioneer and you're playing against someone who's playing Lotus Field, for example, <laughs> or you're playing against somebody <laughs> who's. Yeah, and it's like cool. I drew, I drew Fae, which is an ult- an ultimatum. Great, great. I drew, Not you know, like like there are lots of situations where taking two cards off the top of your opponent's library is actually not good. So yeah. I, I don't know. 
So the more I think about it, maybe in that context, it's specifically in Pioneer Rakdos, there's Fable the Mirror Breaker, which mm -hmm. also makes treasures. So I could definitely see you going like, like turn three Fable, you attack, get a treasure, end of turn, expensive taste, and then you can untap and get a second treasure off of the token. And now you have two treasures to cast whatever you hit. So maybe it's more of a main deck card than I think it is. I was going to say sideboard card for like Rakdos mirrors, but it could be a yeah, main deck that's card. That's how I saw it is like, this is an extremely mid range card. And it's maybe you know stone useless um, on the expensive taste side against certain decks, but what deck needs this? What deck gets upgraded from this? What, how do you build around this card if you are like it? Definitely seems like I can. I mean, I almost guarantee this is going to see like some standard play, right? But what is this doing in our formats? And I don't know if it does anything in modern. And I hate to be like the oh, it's not modern power level, so it's got to see play in pioneer. But like I feel like it has to have a home. And I don't know where that is myself. I, I could see it as like a fringe cyborg card for Rakdos mirrors, because in the situation where like you're you're playing a Rakdos mirror and you take, say, like you just take their fable and their bone crusher, like that's just worth, you know, five or six cards. So it's right. three mana. You're up five cards. So I could see it in situations like that. It's not a card you're ever going to main deck because that deck has a lot of threes anyways. But fringe cyborg player, I think. It's weird, like, the, the card seems so powerful, and then you're just, like, a fringe sideboard player, and it's like, yeah, that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like, what are we going to do with this? Yeah. So. Well, it's pretty tough to compete against Shieldred. And Fable. And Fable. So, yeah. all right, let's go a different direction with Adventure now. So, one of the other things that's interesting about it, so that that's, like, this is maybe the best, one of the best value cards that we've seen so far, although there's another one that I think we could chat about for a minute in a moment. But the other thing that's interesting about Adventure is that it allows you to put really kind of niche effects onto cards that have backup plans with them. So here's here's one. Callus Sellsword, which is a single generic and a black for a creature human soldier. It's a 2-2. It says Callus Sellsword enters the battlefield with a plus one, plus one counter on it for each creature that died under your control this turn. Trinket text, basically, honestly. But the adventure side of this is Burn Together, which is a single red mana for a sorcery that says target creature you control deals damage equal to its power to any other target then sacrifice it so it is a fling effect attacked to a, attached to a creature of which we've seen a few different variations of this lately you know from zendikar rising there's a fling attached to a land that costs three mana then you have the voldaren card from one of the recent sets that uh, had backup that gave self-sacrifice to deal damage to a creature. And now we have this one that just costs a single mana that is an adventure. Um, the only problem is the rules text wording of this one is quite dangerous yeah, to play fancy. with. <laughs> However, you know, it costs a single red mana. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what do we think about a fling attached to a creature? Well, as the, I, I guess we, I could say the Rakdos Sacrifice resident expert on the channel. No, Would you say please. that's accurate? Mm -hmm. okay. Of course. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Also, I actually, thanks for calling this a channel. I don't even, I don't even know if, if, <laughs> if we've ascended to that level. I actually kind of like this card. The more that I read it, I like this card a lot for Rakdos Sacrifice. So it does a couple okay. of things. Mm. The first, first of all, the two, two for two is actually pretty good if you have multiple ovens because you can go like go through two cat loops and then just play a two mana four, four. That could be good. Mm. And also it for the, so the downside of this card is that if they kill your creature in response, then you don't get the, the burn together side of things. But if you're claiming their creature, 
and then you cast burn together other creature, you don't really care if they kill it because they're still losing their creature. So it, yeah. it kind of mitigates the downside a little bit of, on burn together. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, just the potential of playing a two mana four, four could be good. I don't know if I'd play, you know, I'm not going to play four copies, but I could see one or two copies being reasonable in sacrifice. I mean, it's interesting that you're kind of mm-hmm. leaning into this as a value fling. Yeah, because most people who do flings are like, I'm going to make a 2020 and fling it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and that's that's not what we're doing with this card. But I think that makes sense, especially because it takes advantage of the creature half of the card without being dependent on the fling going through to make the creature half get some counters. Because a lot of people you see kind of looking at this and going like, okay, I throw a creature and then I play this and I get tokens for it and yada, yada, yada. Or not tokens, you get counters on top of it for for that. So I think it's interesting to be like, hey, my, my deck's plan is to have creatures that die anyway. So now I have this creature that's just big if I have creatures that die and, and it's two mana and it's value. And then sometimes I, I fling something giant and that gives me a backup to make my um, totally blanking on the name of the one mana um, steel card. What's claim. the one mana threat? Claim, claim, the, claim the firstborn. Yeah, also from Thrones, or from Throne of Eldraine, if I'm yeah, not mistaken. Yeah. Um, claim the firstborn. So it gives you another outlet. Because one thing that I found frustrating sometimes when I played Sacrifice was having claim, but not having a way to sacrifice the creature yet. Like not yeah. having of it online yet. And so having a couple other effects like that, I think is uh, it's nice to have around. It could be nice to have around. So Yeah, and then Bloodscythe Harvester, another creature that just naturally goes to the graveyard, which gets another counter for Sword. Right. Yeah, you just sack it and go for it from there. So I could see it. Yeah, there's enough stuff going on here that it seems like a pretty good, you know, value creature. It's, but it's like, you know, how is it going to do enough in the deck to make it fit? And I think, you know, we'll see people test it. So looking yep. forward to looking forward to that. I think yeah. it's a cool little card. A deck with not a ton of flex spots, if I'm remembering correctly. Like two. Is that right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's, there's not a lot of ways to shade the main deck of, of Sacrifice. But a couple right. more adventures to consider here, I think. We got to yeah. start cutting the Karn Liberateds now. You know, we got to find those. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, what's yeah, the Karn exactly. Liberated of, of Sacrifice? Well, here, Kill, yeah, go ahead, the Shane. Killing the Fae the Fae Blooded. So, two in a red, legendary, human fairy, double strike. Other creatures you control get plus one, plus zero for each aura and equipment attached to Kellen the Fey Blooded. He's a uh, he? Two two? Sure, they. Uh, yeah. And and the uh, the adventure side, adventure part, adventure quadrant of the card, birthright boon, one and a white, sorcery, adventure, uh, search your library for an aura and equipment card, reveal it, put it in your hand and shuffle. So, yeah, I mean, this is again... I think like fairly, f- fairly costed. I guess it's also a f- another niche example, niche example of uh, what they can do with a adventure, right? So we're gonna have this card that has auras and equipment, and it searches up an aura and equipment, but you can't play it in just like a ton of different decks for value. This is a card that you maybe build a plan around. And the plan that I wonder about with this deck is like, with this card is like, is this another piece that goes into us trying to make? Colossus Hammer work in Pioneer because that's a powerful card that's hanging around in the format, hasn't figured had the right enablers yet. You know, is this kind of like Stoneforge Mystic at home for Pioneer? Is my question to you. Well, uh, it's funny you bet funny you bring this card up because somebody actually did a deck tech for me on the stream of like I think a week ago, and it was pioneer red white hammer with this card and i hadn't seen it before and i read it and this is what we in the business like to call strictly better 
as in, you know, you mentioned open the armory as a two mana, sur- a two mana searcher. This is just open mm-hmm. the armory that has a bunch of upside. I don't know how often the upside will come up because like the hammer deck in pioneer, you, you kind of, it's, it's not really the same as the hammer deck in modern. You have to go more all in. So you're right. not really like playing a three drop and then equipping it. So the three, the three drop isn't as relevant, but you know, more consistency on hammer definitely could help. Yeah. And just having an extra body around occasionally when you run out of bodies is a nice thing to have, you know. Also, it gives you a little bit of an opportunity to go wide, right? If you have multiple threats on the board and then you put an equipment on this or, God forbid, you play this in an Auras deck instead, Mm -hmm. which, you know, (laughs) in a light pause kind of vibe or whatever, like, which is a deck that I have loved at certain points in time in different formats in uh, Explorer slash Historic slash Pioneer, you know, making your yeah. whole team better with Auras is possible. I mean, I'm slightly, I'm both right now, I'm, I'm like mentally probably slightly underrating and slightly overrating this ability. Because like I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like, dang, I don't remember any kind of like, you know, uh, meta aura type creature, at least like in recent memory, where it's like all my stuff gets better if I just suit up this one creature. And so, you know, if you do get to, an auras type deck where you're, you're having three or four auras on the same. I mean, you're likely going to win maybe either way, but this makes it go a lot faster. It doesn't let your opponent draw towards their sweeper or something like that. So I think there's some potential here either way. I mean, like, like Devin said, you know, even just having a strictly better open the armory uh, with the, the creature that if it sticks on the board and gets suited up a little bit, you're likely doing quite well for yourself. Yeah, and then one last note just on the Birthright Boon. This is the the exact same thing with Open the Armory. Uh, A lot of people may not realize this. This gets an aura, which can find Shade of the Rocks. Mm. Oh, nice. It can get removal. That's a great thing to keep keep in mind. mind. Yeah. That's very cool. Absolutely. Okay, last card. I wanted to show you the Bone Crusher Giant of this set. Okay. (laughs) Not... I'm not saying it's going to be played as much as Bone Crusher. Devin just left, by the way, in the middle of that. I think I offended him so much. No, but this is this is the the one example or one of the examples I've seen so far that's a removal spell stapled to a creature with an adventure. And here's what it is: Uh, it doesn't have a name yet because we only have it in. It looks like Japanese. I'm not totally sure. And it's on Scryfall. It's called Knight of the Helix. It costs a generic and a white. And it is a 3-1 that says instant and sorcery spells you control have lifelink. So it's got your uh, Soulfire Grandmaster feeling to it. And then the adventure side is, they call it Helix Bolt, but I'm sure it's called something else. And that's two generic and a red for an instant that deals three damage to any target. So it's an extremely expensive lightning bolt attached to a Stonefire <laughs> Grandmaster. This, But it's a 3-1, so it attacks. This is your this, this Bone Giant. So this is the correct way to do Bone Crusher Giant. The reason that Bone Crusher was so busted in its standard format is the curve. So you would go stomp, stomp yeah. on turn two and three drop on turn three. This right. doesn't curve like that. You have to wait until turn three to play the removal spell, and then you can't use all of your mana to play the creature on turn four. So this is, the, I guess, this is the fixed Bone Crusher Giant. Yeah, that's how I was thinking about it too. I do think this card is pretty sweet. It's got a lot of text on it for a. Um, you know, I don't remember the like cat from Theros that was a generic and a white for a three one. You know, like this this used to be like draft chaff common by mm-hmm. itself with just vanilla and it's got all this extra stuff on it as a rare. Um three ones obviously die all the time, but um this is an interesting card to me. I, I don't know if it goes anywhere, but um, you know, still having a lightning bolt on a 
body that can attack is a thing. Could be okay. All right. Yeah. This yeah. one's loose, but it's a good example. <laughs> I think it's I think it's better to sort of talk about like why this card is being backwards from like Bone Crusher makes it so much worse. Yep. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. let's talk about some other things rolls. that are a lot worse than they used to be. Oh, I don't want to go to rolls. We got to go back one second because oh, I skipped okay. I skipped some stuff in the notes, Devin. So we are okay. going back to something that I bet we all used to love in Magic that aren't as good as they used to be, and I'm not just talking about. I'm not even going to try to say anything. Planeswalkers, blue spells. Blue card draw. I am talking about creature lands. Yeah, those are not very good. Somehow, this set also has a cycle of creature lands in it, which I did not see coming. I didn't either. That's kind of weird. The first Eldraine didn't have creature lands, did it? Did not. Did not. It kind of makes sense. Like that's you know they're they're kind of weird creature lands. Like they're kind of like little they're a little spooky. Well, they're all like, restless. They're restless oh, blank, yes. restless blank, restless blank. Now we don't have all five of them yet. But here's why we're missing love. the Simic one. We are missing this Simic one from this set. That's right. Um, here's what I want to talk about here really quickly. Yeah. I, I don't know what it would take to make a creature land playable in Pioneer or Modern. Other than the ones from the Dungeons and Dragons set, the Adventures of the Forgotten Realms, because those cards come into play untapped, yes. and these ones never come into play untapped. So, Devin, well, there may or may not be one that I I think is exceptionally good. We'll we'll, we'll get to it in a second. <sighs> really, let's hear about it. Okay, okay, I, I love me it. To read it. I mean, I, I just want to lay that down. Like, the baseline here right now is if we think about what's going on with Creature Lands, both in Modern and Pioneer, it's basically Hive, uh, hive of the Eye Tyrant, Tyrant or Den of the Bugbear or Storm, Hall of the yeah, Storm, Hall of Storm Giants, Giants, and occasionally Lair. the White One, right? Yeah, Layer is busted in green, too. Oh, and Layer, too. Yeah, they're yeah. all... So, the, I, so, okay, so that cycle is good, and some... Mostly those say see play in Pioneer. A couple of them see occasional play in Modern here and there. Like I remember the first versions of Scam. I think I had a demo of the Den of the Bugbear in it. Obviously, we're not doing that at this particular moment in time, but it's because they come into play untapped. Sometimes is that you, you, we all agree oh, yeah. with that, right? Yeah. yeah. So for sure. what's it going to take for one to break through, Devin? Well, hopefully this uh, one might be the one. So Restless Bivouac. This is your Boros one. It's a land, enters the battlefield tapped, tap, add red or a white, and then the ability of one red and a white, Restless Bivouac becomes a 2-2 red and white ox creature until end of turn. It's still a land. Next line of text, whenever it, whenever Restless Bivouac attacks, put a plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. Okay, so I've so, heard this before. Yeah, kind it's of. Uh, this, the, this card from what, 2007, 2008, this little Raging Ravine card? Yeah. 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 Well, okay. So I think this is b- b- far and away pr- probably the at least my favorite, my pick of the best one of the cycle. Mm. Um, because I think the decks that it goes into really need creature lands. The Boros decks, they like if you look at the like the Boros aggressive decks in Pioneer, they kind of can run out of steam sometimes. Maybe not the Pia deck as much, but like Convoke and you know various flavors of humans, they they can run out of steam pretty quickly. Now, obviously, the massive downside is that it enters the battlefield tapped. But the really nice thing, and I think the the thing that 
kind of gets it over the edge for me. It puts a counter on any creature, so you don't have to put a counter on itself. So you can kind of mix around the counters. You obviously can't play a ton of copies of these in your aggressively slanted deck because you just end up having a hand that's, you know, two bivouacs and a bunch of one drops. But I think the first copy in your Boros deck maybe could be like if you're playing four dens, I could easily see cutting one copy of den for one copy of this because, you know, if you draw three dens, two, the third one's guaranteed to come into play tapped anyways. So I, I think it I think it has a place. Yeah, I mean, I think the surprise of them basically making Raging Ravine but cheaper and then adding the ability to put the counter wherever you want instead of just mm -hmm. on Raging Ravine is very intriguing. It's so much so that for a moment I was like, could this go and burn in modern? But I was like, no. <laughs> no. no. <clears throat> However, I agree with you that I think this is the best one that we've seen so far. And part of the reason that it's good is because it costs three to activate. And most of the time, most of the time, these these card, these uh, types of lands cost four to activate. Yep. Yeah, this is like you can kind of compare it sort of to Den where it's like Den, you pay four mana to get a three, two and a one, one. That's four damage. This one, you're paying three mana to get a two, two and a one, one counter. That's three damage. So it's it's kind of even in that regard. Again, the massive downside enters the battlefield tapped. But I think it's I think it, I think this one's definitely got potential. I mean, I feel like the reason I think Den is so good is it wins on the empty board so well. And this definitely is not quite as good at the, as that where it's like you know if den gets one attack in after a sweeper or something like that then it leaves the token behind yeah which i i definitely have appreciated when i've used the card and i, I just i just wish this was like a three three do you know what i mean like for three mana and coming into play tapped i feel like it maybe could have been a three three and no one have really would have really blinked an eye so mm, i don't know it's that one's close maybe a three two yeah, let's do three two. It dies to stomp that way. Yeah, just so we, the natural order can be maintained. All right, the other one I wanted to talk about really quickly, just because I thought it was interesting, is Restless Spire, which is the the is it one comes into play tapped, and then the activation is a blue and a red for a two one. That is a blue and red elemental creature, and it says as long as it's your turn, it has first strike, and whenever it attacks, you scry one. It's a lot of text. On it is this this little card that only For costs two, two to activate. Yeah, I don't know. Like, again, it's kind of awkward in the blue red decks because they have a lot of cantrips. So you have a lot of like fiery impulse consider opt. So they can't really that deck can sometimes maybe afford to have a, a tap land more so than the other decks because you can go like, you know, either you can go tap land on one and then two one drops on two or you can go, you know, removal on one and then tap land cantrip on two. So you could maybe justify it more in those kind of is it Phoenix those kind of decks but it's like does phoenix really want to spend you know three of its mana because you're spending two and then the land to animate two one to scry one if it's surveilled and you could like surveil phoenixes in the graveyard Ooh, surveil that would be, be tight sick. yeah but yeah. yeah i don't know it's it's close yeah i just think it's interesting because i was like i every time someone plays randomly plays fairy conclave against me i'm like that costs only two to activate and then here <laughs> we have one for the first time in a long time here it is yeah yeah i mean ultimately my issue with this is like, when are you using this? Do you know what I mean? And it's like, like you said, Devin is like, you know, you have so many spells to be casting and a lot of your is a decks. The reason, and I keep going back to like, why do people play den? Why do people play uh, the hive? And it's because they're good after sweepers. They're good against control decks. And like they, so they can just withstand 
the that's that's why I think people play those cards. That's not why people play those cards. People 100%. play those cards because they come into play untapped. Well, okay, and they're well, pure that's the gravy. Yes, I mean, yeah. Well, that's the thing too. Is like you could put it in for if, pure gravy. If these cards came into play untapped in the same way that the AFR lands came into play untapped, we would be like, hell yeah, we're putting be, them in tons. Well, of it's untapped. It's an untapped duel. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if they, you mean, well, or you, yeah, you mean, duh. even if they came yeah. into play well, untapped with like you know two or more lands or something like well, that. But that's exactly that. That's exactly that. What I meant. That's the text that's on the AFR lands as well. Sure. Yeah. Exactly. So I mean. I don't know. I think even even if you compare these against, yeah, I mean, you can't really have untapped duels that even if it's like your, I don't know, we have fast lands, we have slow lands, we have all that stuff. Just wait for know. Modern Horizons 3. Then we'll have untapped dual creature lands and we'll all be happy again <laughs> but, in Modern. Yeah. All right. Just I mean, keep it's pushing just, the envelope. Right. Every land decision is like really hard, I feel like, though. Just I mean, just to keep talking about these for a second, right? It's like when you build a deck, you have so many of these, even in Pioneer, you have a lot of decisions on like what duels you're going to run, what mix of them you're going to do, what tech lands you're going to have. Are you going to have a, you know, how many Ottawaras or Bosejus or uh, Takanumas or something like that, right? And you have even to fit some of those in over like a basic can be challenging. And then you start, you know, doing like, well, my fast and slow duels, like where do these fit in? Where are my tap duels coming in? And I just have a hard time imagining a lot of decks getting as much value out of these two particular cards as they would other types of lands or single color creature lands or something like that. But I am willing to be wrong. I just have a hard time seeing them just because like you said, Dave, it's always tapped. Yeah. I mean, look, the the point of having this discussion wasn't really to justify these cards, although oh, I, I, agree, I agree with Devin that Bivouac is the most interesting one. The point is, we used to play Celestial Colonnade in Modern, and we liked it. <laughs> we used to play Raging Ravine in Modern. Treetop Village, too. We liked People it. Tree, Treetop yeah, in Modern. Exactly. And it's like, these cards have to do so much to fit in those formats and also to just be better than the, the AFR ones, which are extremely good. Like this is just sort of like, this is a uh, AFR creature land cycle appreciation segment, I guess, because for sure. Yeah. It's going to take something. Those are the best creature lands of all time. Right. As far as cycles are concerned, they have to be close to it. So good. Yeah. I mean, the world wake ones, we definitely saw raging and celestial get a lot of play, but I don't know about the other ones. I mean, the green-white one occasionally sees play. Occasionally. Sure, that was random. The black-red one never did. And tar Pit. The, oh, Tar Pit occasionally saw play yeah, in like yeah. your your weird kind of blue-black controlled decks. Celestial Can Colonnade we, used to be a $50 card. A $50 it card. <laughs> listeners yeah. the listeners listening to this, are they have to think we're crazy. No, People that's can't the truth. Boomer chat. Yeah. Yeah. Boomer chat. All right, anyway. Let, let's talk about rolls. How about yeah. that? This is the one of the of weirdest rolls? mechanics I've ever seen. Kaiser rolls? Yeah. Yes. Uh, no, I, like, I like Hawaiian. Yeah. That'd be good. The Hawaiian rolls are delicious. Shane, tell us about rolls. Oh, man. These, so much text. So there's seven new predefined roll tokens. Six it's of only- them. Six of them in the real set. One's in, one's in Commander. Oh, there's one in Commander that's special? To yes. Co- good Lord. Yes. Okay, so... Devin's taking Devin, a nap. Devin's, Devin's resting. So each one <laughs> is an aura with He has streamed every day for weeks, creature. so let's, yes. give, him, let's, give, let's him give him a break. You can take a break while I read... Okay, yeah. I'm going to try to go fast. Curse, you don't have to read so, all these rolls. You're right. So the, there's six names, and you'll never remember them besides probably, I'm going to think, Wicked. Okay, the reason you're going to remember Wicked 
is because it's on it's on the good it's on the good roll it's on the good roll card. So like it can do stuff like I don't know the proper term turn something into a tiny creature so it makes it into like a base one one. It that is makes a it, uh, oh god what's the name turn it's to not frog polymorph. turn to frog it's turn to there frog we go. yeah. Uh, monster makes it a little bit bigger and gives it trample. That's a cool one. I mean, plus one, plus one, and trample. You know, plus one, plus one, and ward. They all give plus one, plus one. That's, yep. a, I guess, besides cursed. Whoa, it's some uh, kind of monster. <laughs> <laughs> Devin, that's for your shirt. Uh, I know. Wick, wicked. Uh, wicked. Devin, gives... have you seen that movie? Have you seen the movie about the... the isn't that the name of the Metallica yeah, documentary? Metallica Some documentary. kind of monster. I haven't actually seen the movie yet, though. Oh my I've, god! I listened to the album, Devin. The, <laughs> I know, do- I the documentary is a treat. Is it is a, a treat. I need to watch that. It's a it's a it's a historical document that need and you need to see it. It's so right. good. <laughs> I'll watch uh, it tonight. Impo- so importantly, so we're, there's cards that make these rolls. A creature can only have one roll. So if it's well, if it has more than one role controlled by the same player attached to it, the creature keeps the newest role. All the others controlled by that player are put into the graveyard, and because they don't they don't exist as their tokens, do tokens go to the graveyard Correct. ever? Yes, they trigger they trigger go to graveyard oh, effects. Tokens that's nice. do. Okay, like when that's, something dies, it triggers that effect. But that's that's all. Okay, I forgot that part. Okay, um, listen. Here, here's what this is. It's like imagine your little creature. Has, takes on the role within a fairy tale. That's what that's what this idea is. It's almost and like to, putting on a costume. Yeah, right? yeah, they're putting on a costume. That costume is an aura, and the aura gives them basically plus one, plus one, plus another thing in most yep. cases, and then there's other ones as well. Um, yes, but this is super weird and feels really clunky to me in the yes. execution. But we will see. Like Shane said, I have extreme doubts that we will care about any other than one one of these cards <laughs> i was gonna say there's one there's you, one that i'm lo- i'm i will love to talk one, about though dave you picked, picked one, one that i was i was mildly interested in this one as well but i was like am i really so here's an example of the way these are implemented because so i'm going to give you the simple one that i thought was interesting ish i don't know where this goes but there's a card in this set called monstrous rage it costs a red mana it's an instant Target creature gets plus two plus zero oh until end of turn, and then create a monster roll attached to it. And that monster means roll. the creature gains an aura that says creature gets plus one plus one and has trample. So this is a single red instance that it's permanently like gives your creature plus one plus one and trample, and until the end of turn gives it plus two plus zero. Oh. Which I thought was kind of interesting. Yes, Shane, in a teamer battle ragey kind of way, as a person who used to love teamer battle rage in limited and in shadow. Interesting card, I thought. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I haven't seen that card before, but like one mana plus three plus one trample. We've never seen. And I don't. The closest thing I think there was one in like Shadow Summer Innistrad that was plus two plus one in trample, but I've never seen plus three plus yeah. one. And then and you keep permanent. the bonus. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. That's I mean, actually it's pretty good. It's a good combat trick plus aura, I think. Yeah. It also, I believe the card you're talking about, Devin, might have cost a, a generic and a red. I don't know if it was just a single was red. Was it? I don't remember. But at any rate, single red ago. is the only thing that stood out to me about this. Right, too. I was yeah. like, yeah. Okay, sure. Most of the roll cards, or many of the roll cards, are very cheap. They're like one mana adventures. Their one mana instance, their one mana sorceries are like side benefits to a creature coming into play. So they they are not caught. Co- they are costing these things 
very um, economically. Yeah. I just don't know what that is going to mean. I mean, this is a it's a bonkers combat trick in limited, right? Like you said, if your opponent ever has one red mana. The, the problem with this card in Limited is that your creature almost always will die when you play this card in Limited. So that's, yeah. so you really want your combat, combat your tricks reach. in Limited to make your creatures survive combat, that's which is point. not likely to do with plus three, plus one. I, I, mean, I you know, so, this has first strike, maybe there's a lot of red or white first strike. Maybe they're chump blocking. Right. The, the thing for this is like, okay, am I going to put it on a giant creature? Am I going to put this on something that suddenly has double strike for some reason or whatever? It just seemed like for constructed, you know, is this like my kiln fiend? Like, am I going to get my kiln fiend through in that kind of vibe? Which, you know, I don't know if we're going to play kiln fiend in year year of our lord twenty twenty three, but you know, it's a cool card too. Could happen. So the better one, Shane. <laughs> yes, the strictly better one, actually. In, for uh, modern compared, compared for to modern. some cards, yeah. Not dead after all. Single black mana instant. And stop me if you've heard this one. Until end of turn, target creature you control gains. When this creature dies, return it to the battlefield, tapped under its owner's control. Oh. That that sounds familiar. But wait, there's more. Then create a wicked roll token attached to it, which is the enchant creature. Enchanted creature gets plus one, plus one. When this aura is put on the battlefield, each opponent loses one life. So, scam. This is basically a better feign death, right? This card scams. This is just a better Fain Death because so it, so Fain yeah. Death does the thing where it returns it tapped with a plus one plus one counter. This returns it tapped with an aura, so no counters on it. Potentially better, not can I, better. Can I say that I finally just bought a playset of Fain Deaths in paper? I'm still because, missing my third because what I owned was Undying Malice, Undying Evil, and the other one, the land Rebirth. one that I'm suddenly forgetting the name of. Yeah, Malakir Rebirth. That's what I had around when I put together Scam and Paper the couple of times I played it in paper. I was like, that's fine. I'm just going to play it. Scam wins the Pro Tour. I'm like, you know what? I'm finally going to pay $2.50 a piece to get Fame oh Death sent to me. Yeah, Big Spender. Exactly. <laughs> and uh, and now they print Not Dead After All, just to show that Fame yeah. Death is, in fact, dead after all. Another, another $2 down the drain. I know. So... If okay. that was, yeah, in magic, that's the least of my problems, right? <laughs> so the, the initial thing is like, okay, this is potentially just better than feign death. I think the interesting thing is that it potentially gives you access to undying evil because now undying evil, which, which looks for the one, one counter and no longer has a counter to worry about because it's an aura. So you could potentially use a suite of like those two cards together. Undying Evil does not make your creatures ETB tapped. Yeah, and what? so I heard Dingo talking about this on stream today. I think he was mentioning he's going to try four of these and then two Undying Evils because, like you said, make sure Evil's better. I'm, I'm just going to go on a very, like, 30-second tangent here. This card, like, kind of pisses me off that oh, yeah. it's going to be the most played card from the set in Modern, but it is the card that probably impacts the, <laughs> the deck the, the amount, like, the least. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's, like, it's such a marginal upgrade, but it is going to be the most played card. I hate when, when stuff like that happens yeah also i i get that wizards loves this effect for limited like this is an effect that they love for limited and that's why feign death exists and undying malice exists and all of these cards that's why they exist and they've all come out in the last two years but it's like come on guys you knew that scam was was starting to be a thing when you made this card why are we making more of these cards 
cards. I guess it doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah, what's the next one? Because they're, they're functionally <laughs> the same, and this one's a common, so like at least I won't have to pay $2.50 a piece for these from a set that wasn't opened like like uh, AFR was. But, uh, God, we've said AFR a lot on this show. There's a lot of uh, Adventures of Forgotten Realms here. But, yeah, this is a marginal upgrade in Scam, but it's clearly a playable card. And, yeah, I agree, Devin. From what I've seen, this is the best modern card in in Wilds of Eldraine. I can't wait to, like, dismember my opponent's turn one Scammed Fury and uh, take five damage instead of four. That seems great. Yeah, that's funny. I was like, why are you taking five damage? Oh, it's because you paid four life and you're yes. taking one damage. Yes. I mean, this is like, this is the world we're going to live in. We're just like, hey, you know, just going to stick it to you a little bit more. Scam yeah. you a little bit harder. Well, back to Dave's point, you know, at what point uh, we're just going to end up having a deck that's like six scam spells. And there's just going to be six different cards that, were, that all functionally do the same thing. <laughs> you know what? I'm doing, I'm doing that, Devin. I, I don't even care. I am doing that because nothing matters. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna show up and they're all gonna be I'm gonna be like you try to to surgical extraction me, it's not gonna happen. <laughs> oh boy, wait till you take a look at this deck. Yeah, they're like feign death, and you're like, why didn't you say fury? Um, okay, <laughs> let's talk about bargain. Yeah, briefly. I mean, I think there's I, actually I some say, cool. I think there's some cool bargain cards. Real quickly on roll. Roll is the thing so far that I'm the the most slightly worried about being way more powerful than I think it is. Like I wonder, I wonder if there's some other card out there that's just like I'm gonna put token uh, token auras on things for free, and it's not even gonna matter, and it's gonna be great, or it's gonna be completely terrible. But we'll see. Okay, bargain. Bargain does have some good cards. I'll take it. Yeah. Bargain. Bargain is a new ability that allows you to sacrifice an artifact, enchantment, or token as an additional cost to cast a spell. So similar, there, there's been some type of those effects. Like kind of, it feels like a new kicker, right? Yeah, it's just mm-hmm. a kicker variant. It's, it's just kicker. It's a cool where, one. Yeah, I mean it's it's definitely cool. Uh, might have some uh, some applications, but what are your what are your guys' thoughts on it so far? I mean, the the line of text there is very counterintuitive. So don't forget, you cannot sacrifice a creature, a a non-token creature, to bargain. Okay, and yeah. of course you can't sacrifice a land. So I think that that is going to trip people up when they try to play this card. They're going to assume that they can sacrifice creatures to it, and you cannot. Yeah. I mean, I think the the most common thing we will see sacrificed outside of limited are artifacts or some kind of other token, right? And which roll tokens, perhaps. Which, I'm sorry? Roll tokens, perhaps. Yes, roll tokens. I mean, yeah, that's, that's like a limited thing for sure. I right. think it's kind of the idea. But, uh, you know, there's so many things that make two pieces of cardboard these days, right? And so... But not always, but not, it can't be something that makes two creatures. Well, no, I guess yeah, a I mean, token. Uh, yeah, uh, two tokens, tokens right. you know, token, token yeah. creature, tokens. or you know, like a you know, blood artifact, or you know, something incidental that becomes something else. And we see the power of those in a lot of pioneer decks. You know, some yeah. modern decks have played with artifacts and artifact tokens. You know, we see even like the Asmo decks or the one with that robot that makes like you know three different artifacts. You know, that mm-hmm. kind of stuff. So those are all like feasible, and I think there's some interesting cards here like i think what's cool about bargain is like you know one you usually get like an etb effect on a creature or you get like a bonus effect to a spell right and i think i think we should talk about i think there's two good spells that i found so far i don't know if you all found anything else and let's talk about the one i I dislike more which is Farsight Ritual, two blue blue for an instant with Bargain. Look at the top four cards of your library. If it was Bargained, look at the top eight cards of your library instead. Put two of them into your hand 
and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So that's a lot eight's of cards. It's a lot. Eight, eight is basically tutor 1.5 cards. It's like your whole deck. <laughs> it's, 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 I, I only play decks with eight cards of them, so not tournament legal, but no one's caught me yet. <laughs> your deck looks awful short. Well, see, if you're listening, please don't cancel us. <laughs> I sand the cards evenly. The judge said it's okay. So, I mean, this one's weird to me because a lot of the control decks in Pioneer, like Pioneers is kind of where we're thinking about this, I would assume. And it doesn't seem like if you look at the makeup of the control decks, there's there doesn't seem like to be a lot of random tokens that are generated. The one thing that comes to mind is like Wandering Emperor. So you can go like end of turn Emperor, make a 2-2, untap, have the token to sack for the, the Farsight Ritual. But this, this one's close. I'm not sure about this one. I think it has potential, but I don't know where. It's like, you know, it's like just sort of a dig through time style effect for control decks. But like you said, like, what are they bargaining? Like maybe like an Urza type deck with tons of like bits and pieces of artifacts. But if Urza is doing that, do they really need to draw more cards? I don't really know. Yes, is this, they always do need to draw more yeah. cards. So maybe, maybe. Is this, like, is this better than Memory Deluge? I don't know. Bargain's not like a free thing. No, I, 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 I think Deluge is better because the flashback just comes up so often. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I mean, I think it's an interesting card. Maybe it's more uh, you know standard level than it is pioneer modern. But I just wanted to point it out as like I think this. I mean, eight is eight just a lot. Eight's, it is. eight's enough. Yeah, yeah, we don't we don't see very many cards that just look at eight cards. So yeah, it's definitely yeah. definitely has potential. Standard is probably a good place for it. Can we look at a much smaller card that I think is good that has bargain? And that is Brave the Wilds for a green. It's a sorcery with bargain. It says, if this spell was bargain, target land you control becomes a 3-3 elemental creature with haste that's still a land. And then also search your library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, and then shuffle. Hey, a tune with ether got banned. Was banned. That's exactly the thing I was going to say. It was a tune, a, tune, a tune the ether was banned. Oh, it's not end of turn. Huh. No, it's just a land. It's, it's just, just a creature permanent. from now on. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of weird, though, because then you're exposing your creature to, like, a Fatal Push or something. Yeah, this sure. Is a, this is a weird one. So you don't, like, you don't necessarily want to cast it early because getting your lands blown up early is kind of awkward. So I guess it's more just upside. Like, if you have it in your opening hand, you could just hit your land drop with it. It's similar to, like, a, a Lorien reveal type thing where you're just spending a mana to put it in your hand. And then later in the game, you could just, like, get another body out of it. Yeah, that's kind of what my thinking was. But yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about a card later. Or I can see like it's a cheap, you know, cheap something that makes a couple pieces of cardboard. You sacrifice it, you know, then you sort of can start turning your lands into creatures, and it's also beating down in other ways. Like with this deck, I think we could potentially have like a snowbally green-based like artifact-style deck, but I don't know if that's going to do anything like more powerful than we already have. But I don't care because I want to be using gingerbread artifacts spoilers well so just go ahead and tell us the card shame well i mean it's not i don't think it really meshes that well tough cookie okay one last thing about this light bulb moment just kind of went off jeskai ascendancy so this (sighs) helps you hit your land drop land drops for jeskai ascendancy but also turns your land into a creature so that it starts untapping every time you cast spells with jeskai ascendancy see oh there you go Yep, it only took Devin a couple minutes go. to realize the true purpose of this, which is to put it of every card is to end up in Jeskai Ascendancy at some point. 100%, rate. yeah. Yeah. I mean, we know the reason that Tomb of Aether got banned is because it made energy, but this is interesting. We'll see I how- mean, 
it made energy and it got a land. Like that's not that's not yeah. a joke. That that was a that was the thing that was very warping that standard format for sure. And yeah, it was both parts. But all right, oh a light bulb. I, I, found, a light I bulb. found a light bulb. Nice, <laughs> I was just hanging around. Yeah. You keep that around for the stream. Yeah. All right, and then the last card that I think has everybody really really buzzing because of legacy, if I'm not mistaken, is Besiege the Mirror. Let me test which up is the modern generic black 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 yeah but beseech the mirror in legacy has like turn one kills and stuff apparently with Ooh. it which I, I don't want to get into but sorcery bargain search your library for a card exile it face down shuffle if this spell was bargained you may cast the exile card without paying its mana cost if that spell's mana value is four or less put the exiled card into your hand if it wasn't cast this way everybody's favorite permanent in modern costs four mana true or false true yeah Hundred percent, hundred percent. Well, true. I mean, my favorite permanent is Rhino Token, so I don't know about that one. Yeah, Devin, I know you like the ring. Yeah, so and this gets everything in coffers, for example, besides like Invoke Despair. You know, it gets the One Ring, it gets Karn. That deck runs some kind of like Profane Tuner, number of Profane Tutors. Is this like part of this Tutor package? I think you know, coffers Children. is not coffers is not Children. breaking yep. you know things wide open. Um, but it's it's pretty darn. I think it's an interesting inclusion. But that's just a, even just a value use of this, and yeah, not a combo. Definitely, death exactly. Use. People don't often play tutors anymore for value. They might in that case. I think it's a really good fit. But there's, like you said, there's probably something in modern that's going to be some kind of infinite death loop that in, that beseech the mirror can help make happen maybe people haven't unlocked it quite yet but even just getting the one ring and allowing you to cast it and get the pr the protection trigger off of it the fog trigger off of it is kind of bananas so let's like sacrifice my mishra's bauble go get the one ring yeah the fact that it gets the trigger is kind of busted I i'm wondering if there's i'm sure that somebody's going to find some way to kind of chain it because you can actually go beseech into beseech if i'm not mistaken right minute value four or less yes. yeah so you can like beseech into beseech sack something else beseech sack something else there's, there's probably some right. crazy loop that somebody's going to find out but uh yeah it like like shane said it's really good in coffers it is triple black so i don't know what else is going to play this uh, maybe there's like a, a pioneer deck similar thing in pioneer it mm -hmm. gets shield or gets shielded gets karn maybe there's like some kind of coffers adjacent deck with, without like cofferless coffers in pioneer maybe i think it's like yeah. mono black control right still yeah. around yeah, yeah they don't play karn now but i mean this thing tutoring karn's kind of cool yeah exactly tutoring karn is sweet all right, next mechanic, Celebration. We're not going to talk about Celebration. I couldn't find any cards yeah. that felt constructed playable for Celebration. Celebrate good times. And Dev, this we set. found out Devin's karaoke song. Um, the it's a, I think it's an interesting keyword in that it's, uh, it triggers if two or more non-land permanents enter the battlefield under your control during the turn. It counts the card itself. So if it's on a creature, that that is part of the trigger mm. i believe so it's not like you have to cast three things you only have to cast that plus one other spell um it's an interesting aggro ability to me but i haven't seen anything yet that makes it work so we'll keep an eye on for it on, on it for later okay all right so those are the mechanics mechanics there are two sub themes i would love to touch on really quickly which are more like story themes or i don't know flavor themes i guess one is fairies all right Everybody wants fairies to be a thing. They're back again. Makes sense. And there we're going are... to Lorwyn in a couple sets. Don't forget that. Oh, True. I forgot we're going to Lorwyn. 
that's going to be weird. I Valora one was actually during when I did not play Magic for for a break in there, so that'll be interesting. But there's there's cards that just do extra things if you have a if you control a fairy as you cast the spell, which is pretty interesting phrasing as well because that means that it doesn't have to be in play when it yeah when it resolves so one is fairy fencing which is x generic and a black for an instant that says target creature gets minus x minus x until end of turn it gets an additional minus three minus three if you control the fairy as you cast this spell and then the other one i'm just going to read them both in interest of time is called ego drain which is something that i thought was interesting just now it's a single black for a sorcery that says target opponent reveals their hand you choose an on-land card from it they discard that card if you don't control a fairy exile a card from your hand why couldn't you why couldn't it be discard a card from your hand instead of exile then it'd be way too good right yeah it'd be way too good <laughs> if it was discarded. then we're like yeah then people are just using that to reanimate yeah grizzle thoughts brand use, and stuff thoughts yeah. use your counter spell discard by archon yeah we can't yeah <laughs> yeah bring it back with persist here yeah, we these go are good. these the, are good i mean are these good i think these They're are good, good. In the fairies deck i think they could be a thing fairy fencing is bonkers if you play fairies so it's weird to me because I, I've seen a lot of these like payoff type cards that look appealing, but I've yet to see a fairy creature that actually looks reasonably statted across it, you know? And right. that's kind of my worry about it. But what about Swole fairies fairy. that already exist? Like, let's say I haven't seen any fairies in this set that are good, but what about ones like the one that was uh, the invitational card? and Oh, the Udith card, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the Udith card, Mastermind. And, and then the like single mana fairy that was randomly in like M21 that... I, I don't remember what it does. It's like um, Fairy Miscreant or something like that. Like there are popper-ish fairy cards that I feel like are already close to being good enough. I mean, there's Raisin Borrower. You can play Raisin Borrower with, with this. I faced a Bitter Blossom deck in tournament practice the other day. So in Pio or in <laughs> oh no, in Modern. It's not in Pio, right? Like, <laughs> no, no Bitter Blossom's not yeah, here. Yeah, for my, I had like a. Yeah, I totally blacked out for a minute while I was writing this. I was like, is Bitter Blossom in Pioneer? But what if they reprinted Bitter Blossom in the set? What if they reprinted in Lorwyn? Oh, that could be. It could it be. could. I don't know. Like, I kind of feel like there's a there's some chance that Ego Drain could be a thing. To me, so I like the discard card more than the removal spell for what it's worth as far as potential goes. I think, you know, there we certainly had lots of decks over the years in, in Modern that played six discard spells between Thoughtseize and Inquisition and Kozilek. I mean, you could definitely see another deck that has a bunch of fairies where you play Inquisition or you, where you play Thoughtseize and a couple of Ego Drains, maybe three, and then you have a really powerful discard suite and then you have a bunch of like tempo-y creatures to take them out. Uh, I, I don't know if we're there on the creatures themselves, like Devin said, but these are interesting payoffs. The only weird part about the discard spell to me is like, Typically, the benefit of discard spells is they're good early, but this one's not really ever good yeah. on turn one. It's good on like turn three, you know yep. what I mean? So it's it's tough. Hopefully, turn two if you play the blue one drop. Yeah. But Could be. Yeah. I'm watching this space both for stuff in this set, stuff as we get into Lorwyn. You know, there's 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 a long path I think on this fairy theme here. Yeah. Okay, Dave. This this is this area has me concerned. Because Enchantments I, matter I, I is the saw, next theme. I saw you in the spoiler channel of our Discord today asking a lot of questions to people about enchantment, enchantress stuff, and like I was just like, this is going to be dangerous. Podcast Does this enchantress? Territory. I mean, so 
we talked about it earlier. I like I I did enjoy playing auras. I will say one of the biggest disappointments to me from this set is once I realized that there's a, a serious enchantments matter theme in this set, there is not a good enchantress in this set to make auras good. There is no core spirit walker in this deck for pioneer. Basically, there's a card called. Uh, Tanglespan Lookout, that is a 2-3 for 3 generic that draws a card when an aura comes into play or something like that. That's not going to get it done with SRAM. You know, like, we're, we're going to be still playing SRAM and Light Paws, and that's going to be what it is. There are a couple of cards that I think are just interesting in here. One is Tale of, A Tale for the Ages, which is a generic and a white that says Enchanted Creatures You Control Get Plus 2, Plus 2. It's Tempered Steel for Enchanted Creatures, but mm. it's terrible, right? <laughs> like, this is a completely different scenario for using. So I, I don't think this card is going to go anywhere. I think a lot of people thought it was cool on Twitter, and that's fine. But I, I, don't, think it's, uh, I don't think it's happening. Unless it's, the rules are way better than we think they are. It's tempered, tempered steel. Yes. Yeah. Oh. That's true. And we mean by tempered, we mean the bad tempered instead of the stronger tempered in this case. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's English 101 in this in this in this uh channel. It's, as it's vocabulary. It. It's vocabulary for the college bound. Um and then there is this weird card called Yenna Red Tooth Agent that I Regent. don't think is Regent? Oh, Regent. Yeah. It's not Agent. Yeah, Red Tooth Regent. Two generic, oh, a uh, green and a white. It is a 4-4 four, four for a legendary creature, Elf Noble, and it has an activated ability that is just extremely long for two generic mana and a tap. Good God. It says, choose target enchantment you control that doesn't have the same name as another permanent you control. Create a token that's a copy of it, except it isn't legendary. If the token is an aura, untap Yenna, Red Tooth Regent, then Scry 2, activate only as a sorcery. Okay, okay. so a couple of people in our chat, we, we do have an Enchantress contingent of people on our Discord server who are excited about this card as something that can copy your Sterling Grove in modern to make your stuff not uh, all your enchantments be um have shroud, shroud basically which is shroud wow what, a, what an annoying keyword but the thing that stood out to me about this that i thought was fascinating was this the second half of this activated ability says if the token is an aura untap yenna red tooth regent and then scry two so if you have a a aura on a creature that you can sacrifice for no activated ability and you can play training grounds you can infinitely untap yenna red tooth agent over and over and over again and do something like fire whip your opponent to death or let's say <laughs> in pioneer you'd like to draw your whole deck you can use unbridled growth to copy and replay unbridled growth over and over again to draw your entire deck and i don't know do something with that apparently but uh i just thought it was weird that they kind of stuck this untap ability at the end of this card for i don't know why but Shane, um Shane, yeah. i hate to say it but i think we've lost dave <laughs> <laughs> he's lost in the sauce i i can i get to get lost in the sauce occasionally i am not going to try to tell you that this is good i am also only going to spend the, the 120 seconds that's uh, we've used on it on this, but I just thought this was a weird, interesting card, mostly because they snuck this untap phrase into the end of the, the ability. That's kind of cool. Do you want to talk about some actually cool cards? In random the, cards. In, in the random the random card section? If you're going to bring one up that's cool, okay, because this first card is not cool. No, I'm not going to talk about this card. I have, <laughs> okay. uh, this is 
I, w- I was going Wooberg order, and I have nothing in white and one in black so far from the random cards area. And nothing in blue, apparently. Nothing in blue. Uh, so, yeah, tough cookie. One in the green for a 2-2 artifact food golem. When it ETBs, you make a food token. So it's already a 2-2 a for 2 with a food token. But Shane, that seems okay, but wait, there's more. Two in a green. That That's it. Two in a green, activated ability, no tapping. Target non-creature artifact you control becomes a 4-4 artifact creature until end of turn. Then also, to tap, sacrifice tough cookie, you gain three life. Okay? This, this seems, card is absurd. Yeah, this is extremely <laughs> good. It's extremely good. Uh, it makes two artifacts. You could be swinging for six power across two bodies on turn three if you really need to start clocking someone. The, re- the effect's repeatable. So it's an interesting mana zinc later on. Like you just pay two green, pay two green. Devin, you have an idea. <laughs> the light bulb's back. I was thinking I, the clock, cogs are ticking. What about this with uh, Ensoul Artifact? Because this is an artifact so itself. Soul. It makes a permanent for artifact. Yeah, so you go like turn to this. You have another random artifact for Ensoul. Then you Ensoul the artifact. And then this is also like an Ensoul adjacent effect where you're just paying mana to make random tokens into four fours. That could be something. Wow. I, I want you to know, Devin, that even though it's four o'clock in the morning in the UK, Stan, at the mention of Insole Artifact on this podcast, <laughs> he rolled over Stan bed. woke up in bed and went, <gasps> scissors, and then went back to sleep. Um, yeah, with Insole, it seems sweet. I mean, this is an absurd amount of text for a two-drop uncommon. It's a lot. Is it uncommon? I thought it was a rare. This is an uncommon. That's great. It won't be that expensive then. Yeah. Yeah, great card. Cool Get card. your tough cookies right now. I mean, I I don't know. Like you said, this is a card that is cool, but I don't know where it lives. But this is a. I think this card is just straight up value. This could be a build around. This card's good enough to build a strategy around it. Right? Yeah, or I think the strategy like, is in Soul Artifact, like Devin yes, said. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like just make it. You know, add more pieces to a formerly okay deck and see where it gets you. And then that's pretty good. Yeah, as long as you're you you're, you want to find a deck that can utilize both pieces, right? You want to find a deck that can like utilize the random two two artifact creature, but also something that can use the food for benefit, like within Soul Artifactor. Maybe even like Jun Food, where you can have an extra food to sack the cat or something. Yeah. Uh, this being a food means that if you sacrifice it to its ability, that triggers uh, the enchantment that I forget the name of Trail of Crops. So yeah. that could be something as well. Devin, you put some cards in the notes, I think, this week. I did. I what, do you, what do you got? What do you like from this set? Well, it, I don't necessarily like this card. Yes. It's just one that a lot of people have been talking about. Uh, so this yeah. is Ag- Agatha's Soul Cauldron. So yeah, um, Agatha's card. cooking up a stew over here. Two mana, legendary artifact. It says you can spend mana as though we're mana of any color to activate abilities of creatures you control. Creatures you control with plus one, plus one counters on them have all activated abilities of all creature cards exiled with cauldron. And wait, I'm not done. Tap exile target card from a graveyard. When a creature card is exiled this way, put a counter, plus one, plus one counter on target creature you control. So a lot of people are talking about this with Grist. So you Grist is a creature in the graveyard. You can, um, you know, use the Grist 
uh, get a counter on something. And then there's uh, Metallic Mimic. There's an infinite combo with this in Metallic Mimic. Uh, I don't know if the combo, infinite combo is necessarily good, but just like the line of text of creatures you control with counters have all activated abilities of creatures exiled with Cauldron. That line of text with undying creatures like yeah. Geist and uh, Young Wolf seems pretty powerful. I just, I just really feel like people are looking at the ceiling of this and not really the floor. And I, I just, I feel like this is like a few more hoops to jump through to like do some cool things that I really think this deck needs to do. Like, is this making the deck better? I don't know. No, it's making good <laughs> screenshots, but it's definitely not. No, I don't, I don't think this like makes the deck better. It's personally, cool. but it's a cool card. It's fun. Wait, so. So let me let me let me ask you a scenario here. Okay, so you have let's say you have two young wolves in play that have died and come back, right? So they've got their tokens. Yep. And then inside you, of you are two wolves. Yeah. They both have one one counters on them. They're two wolves. And then you exile your own orcish bowmasters with this. So the, what that says is that this has the activated ability of both of like both wolves have the draw trigger from Orcish Bowmasters. No, it's mass. only activated. Only activated. Oh, it's, only, oh, it's activated. Not okay, it's not. It's That's not why it's busted with Grist, because you can exile, like, if in that same scenario, if you exile the Grist with the Cauldron, then you have two copies of Grist in the battlefield. <laughs> that sounds okay. But what? they're not legendary. You can, yeah, so they, because they they keep the name Young Wolf, you just have two Young Wolves that have all of the abilities of Grist. <laughs> well, wait, how do you pay for the abilities of Grist? Like the the kill something oh, ability. Good, yeah, I mean can they have you, costs, right? Huh? Because it's not a planeswalker <laughs> type. I don't actually know how that works. It doesn't I, have loyalty, so you can't. Yeah, that's minus true. It. I don't know how that works. <laughs> oh no, we didn't get this far. I don't know. Maybe there's there, <laughs> there's. Have, I'm sure there's. I've made a huge mistake. Judges, yeah. email us. Hop in our Discord. Tell <laughs> us, and us. we'll we'll talk more about this next week. Um, I should have read okay. through the rest of the Reddit post. That's my <laughs> you know what? I, this is extremely the energy of that meme of the guy being like, I'm sorry that that happened or I'm super happy for you, but I ain't reading all, <laughs> ain't that. Reading all like, that. that. That thing, like, I'm like, okay, cool. I guess if someone ever plays Agatha's Soul Cauldron against me, I'm just going to pick up my cards judge. and leave. I'm just going to call judge. Yeah, well, you you play in tournaments where it matters. I'm, yeah. I'm just going to be like, I'm going on to my next match. I'm good. I'm going to go get a coffee. What else are you going to do, Devin? Uh, well, I really, this one I really want to cast. So this is Baluna Grand Squall. Blue, red, green, teamer, colors, legendary creature, giant noble, trample, permanent spells you cast that have an adventure cost one less to cast. And it's a 4-4, so 3-mana 4-4 trample, cost reducer. And then the adventure half is 2 and teamer mana, instant, mill 7, then put all cards that have an adventure from among the milled cards into your hand. Okay. So with this card in particular, I'm not really nest i don't really want to play it for the adventure half because i think five mana for like you know it's it's really clunky and it's really expensive but i just think that three mana four four trample cost reducer those stats are ridiculous like if you can build an entire adventure de adventure deck that those stats are out of like out of control good what do you think is are the good adventure permanents to reduce the cost on so like bone well, crusher giant bone for crusher. two is great right yep that's bone great. crusher brazen borrower for like two mana three one flash flyer pretty good um past that love struck beast two mana five five so i'm mostly thinking of this with the old adventure cards we haven't necessarily yeah yeah, yeah. 
yeah, the ones that are already like kind of playable. But like if you reduce a man on all of those, like imagine this on turn three and then turn four, you just go bone crusher plus love struck beast. Like that's ridiculous. That's a right? good, that's a, that's yeah. a good thing. <laughs> it's so good. So I, I think there, there could be some, yeah. I mean, why not? It's uh it's statted fine. I mean, it's a, what? It's a savage knuckle blade type thing. Oh, don't get me started about <laughs> savage knuckle blades. Shane, Shane's Shane. favorite card. <laughs> it used to be Shane. my favorite card until I lost a lot of money. Oh no. Oh no. Did you lose a, did you lose a savage knuckle blade bet? No, I just like, I, you know, I, I just wanted that card to be good. I don't know. Yeah, I, I lost a lot of money playing it. Yeah, I played a we lot all... of like, yeah, teamer, teamer monsters style decks until everyone realized we should just be playing gruel monsters. Okay, y'all. Dave, what do you got? I mean, I am kind of done with cards out of this set. Oh, wow. Honestly, for the moment. Like, the rest of the list here, I think, is like, if you have things you'd like to add, I'm up yeah, for what do you it. Devin, if you have other things. Uh, I want to an- <laughs> talk about another uh, cookie-based cookie? uh, thing. Sir Ginger, <laughs> the meal You're getting ender. me hungry with all these cookie talks. I know. These cookies these are, making, are me making me hungry. thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Ginger, the meal ender, two generic legendary artifact food night. When uh, Sir Ginger, the meal ender, has trample, hexproof, and haste, as long as an opponent controls a planeswalker, okay. Whenever another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sir Ginger and scry one. Also, two, tap, sacrifice Sir Ginger. You don't just gain three life, you gain life equal to its power. It's a three, one. Uh, notice that second line of text. It's not once a turn. You don't have to pay anything. Whenever another artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, put a plus one, plus one counter on Sir Ginger and scry one. That seems pretty good. Are we sure that it doesn't work with tokens? No, it does work with tokens. That's what Dave said. Like, they, they hit yeah, the, they hit the graveyard, does. but disappear. Poof. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, yeah I mean, so it seems good. Somebody mentioned in my chat the other day, this card goes kind of hard with Arcbound Ravager. Now, yeah. I don't know if, yeah, if like Scales, scales necessarily thing, wants to play a two mana, th- what's two mana, three, one, but it does really go crazy with Ravager and other like sacrifice effects like that. Like even um, the one that blows up uh, its own artifact, the modular, the B. Yeah, Zabaz. Zabaz, yeah. yeah. Even like Zabaz blow up your own thing, trigger the search engine. You can you can go pretty deep with it. Yeah, I mean, there are people who are playing, what's it, Patchwork Automaton, Clockwork yeah. Automaton, which, ha- which is mostly the same text as Sir Ginger here, except <laughs> it um, it's it has Ward, but it doesn't have all the other stuff. So Patchwork triggers on cast. So Patchwork oh, is, is the two, two mana one one Ward when you cast, put a counter on it. So it's a it's Patchwork is better like with sort of standalone. It, like this one is only good with Ravager and other sack outlets, but Patchwork oh. is just good when you have other stuff. And My the nice bad. thing, it, yeah, Patchwork, I thought it was I thought it was a modular style thing where you got like basically you got it when they died. Okay, no, you're good. But yeah, I mean even like this with like this plus Ravager plus uh, scales is just that a lot of pressure, a lot of damage, and also you can like sack the ravager make the ginger huge if they're going to kill your ginger you can just like make it huge and gain 20 life or whatever i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah sweet i mean it, it's priced to move it's as a two drop yeah and then what the <sighs> other text though. it's a three one so it dies yeah i mean it dies bow to master. bow masters uh, never mind. all right i'm off yeah. it i'm off it i'm off it Dude, it's just like that <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, I mean, all the you cool do. cards have to be three ones you play Mishra's Bobble first, uh, or you play a zero. You play your uh, your other thing first, and then you play this. I see. You psych your bubble in response. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah. You. 
I, I think this card is cool still. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know where exactly it's going to go, but it is. A, I like it. I like I mean, the art's good. If it's the meal ender, what kind of dessert is it? Like, what's the what? What is the meal ender? It's a cookie. <laughs> it's a. It's a. I think it's a gingerbread uh, cookie. I don't. I don't need a cookie for dessert. That's a snack. Uh, milkshakes. In Germany, this is das Mielest Endest. <laughs> yeah, and it's a. Uh, it's a five-pound block of Swiss chocolate. So you have to. You have to eat, or you're, on, you're not. That's to leave definitely the, table. the ender. Yep. Yeah, that's the meal ender. All right. A lot, a lot of people don't know that's what Ender's Game was actually about. But. <laughs> my gosh, <laughs> Devin. If then if Dave's got no more cards, I feel like all the bunch of these must be yours. Then, I mean, if we if we got time for one we've, more, we've got I'll, hydras, we've got tortoises. Okay, well, I I, I know we want to we want to kind of try to wrap up soon, but let's go <laughs> for the so let's go left. Let's go for the goose mother. So I like this card a lot. This is uh, the the mother of all geese. X blue green, legendary creature bird hydra flying. At ETBs with X plus one plus one counters, when it ETBs, create half of X food tokens rounded up, and whenever it attacks, you may sacrifice a food. If you do, draw a card, and then two two base. So the the floor on this is you can just cast it on turn two. X doesn't have to be anything. You could just do it for zero, make a two mana two two flyer. The really cool thing that this works well with is Trail of Crumbs because. The part, the the goose attacking, sacrificing the food, you don't have to pay mana when you sacrifice the food to draw a card. So you go attack with Goose Mother, sack a food, draw a card, trigger trail, you're drawing two cards for one mana off of that. So I really like that aspect. Later in the game, you can just dump a, a ton of mana into it and make a whole bunch of food to trigger your other, like, I don't know if you want to go super deep and play Troll King, but I think there's enough stuff between Wicked Wolf, Goose... Uh, this goose, Gilded Goose, Trail of Crumbs, maybe Troll King, to make a food deck viable in Pioneer. And it's just, it's it's enough value in that shell compared to like, you know, it it looks a lot like Hydroid Crisis. It looks like a bad Hydroid Crisis, but we're not talking about it as Hydroid replacement necessarily. We're talking about it as food enabler. Yes. The, the nice thing, I think the, the, the thing that sells me the most on it is it's flexible, right? You can play it on turn two, it's fine. You can play it on turn four, it's fine. You can play it on turn 10, it's fine. Just gives you a lot of flexibility. And those are the cards that tend to have the most constructed applications because no matter what spot on the curve you need filled, the goose has got you covered. Sweet. Uh, I've got like one or two that we can get out of here. Ruby Ten. Ruby Daring Tracker. I know Stan likes this one. I'll talk about I it for him. I, I did too. Yeah, but It's red and a green. For a 1-2, for a legendary human scout with haste, whenever Ruby Daring Tracker attacks, while you, while you control a creature with four power, power 4 or greater, it's a little ferocious type effect, Ruby gets plus 2, plus 2 until end of turn, turns her into a 3-4. Uh, she can also tap to add red or green, and she has haste, so that's uh, the turn she comes down. I, I don't know if Gruel Boats needs this card. I feel like this is like, people are like, okay, Pioneer, Gruel, Potential. But like the stuff in the Pioneer Gruel deck is like, there's only a few two drops. It's like maybe the Werewolf, maybe some random Scoos. Like maybe this is better than Scoos main deck. And like it gives you just some sort of like additional power or gives you like a little bit of mana ramp. But I don't know like if the deck is crying out for this card in particular. Or if it's like just a good two of or something like that. 
So my biggest issue with it personally is the way that the boat deck is kind of curved right now. It has a lot of threes, right? Because it plays the eight one yeah, mana exactly. elves and then it. plays a lot of threes like Stormseeker, tons of threes. Thrillseeker, Lovestruck Beast, whatever. And this does not go, it doesn't bump you up. Like you go from one to three. This doesn't go from, you know, it goes from two to four. So the mana, like you're, you're, you need your mana dork to be on turn one more often than not. So, I mean, you do have some fours. There is like, you know, a Crow War and Chariot. So you can go from two to four. That is kind of cool but yeah it's like the problem is you are like you're not going to ever touch one of the one mana elves for it so you're you're already locked in on playing eight of those and it's just like you're just going to flood out more often if you're adding cards like this that's kind of my worry about it yeah i just i feel like it just it's not doing the right things for the gruel deck and pioneer but it's it's interesting enough that it's it'll do maybe it might do something at some, some point but who knows what that is it's got some good stats for sure. Yeah. And like mana dorks with haste are pretty good because you can you kind of get one of your mana back. Yeah, like for a sure. lot like you you spend two mana on this and then you use the mana to play, you know, uh, a love struck beast, uh, heart's desire or play another elf. So you're not you're getting one of those mana back. Yeah, I mean, I can see you, know, you live the dream, right? Where it's like, OK, turn one elf, turn to this plus like a werewolf or something like that and you're like sweet this is a lot of power on board i'm, I'm doing some stuff uh or maybe like you know turn there's there's various curves here right but it's like those aren't going to come together that often you're so focused on your three drops that's like you're not going to double two spell on turn three as often so i don't know how this actually works it just I, seems like good value to me. Like this is one of those things where in a vacuum this card looks reasonable but it does yeah yeah all right, let's save some cards for next week. We don't know what we're gonna have. I think there's, I think there's a few, one or two bangers left on our list from this week that I, I've heard some people talk about. I kind of want some time to explore the rest of the set before I, you know, get in the weeds on a few of them. But I think that wraps up this week's show. If you haven't yet, make sure you subscribe to our podcast. You get the latest episodes as soon as they come out. If you use Apple Podcasts, feel free to leave us a rating and a review over there. If you want to submit a question to us, you reach out to us. You can tweet us at the dive down all one word or email the dive down at gmail.com. Of course, if you want to support us, join the Patreon at patreon.com slash the dive down or check out the store at the dive slash store. Our newest sponsor, Heavy Play. If you use code the dive down 2023, you get 10% off your order at heavyplay.com. And Mana Traders, if you use the same code, you get 10% off your first two months of Mana Trader service. Ferris for a Man, of course, amazing shaving soaps, body soaps, fragrances, and more at their website using code the dive down 23 for 15% off your first order. And you can save 8% off your order at Nerd Rage Gaming with the code dive8. As always, special thanks to the bands Nowhere and Spaceblood for letting us use their music. And until next week, get out there and go on an adventure!